Join us on Archetypes, a dynamic podcast hosted by Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, as she digs into the labels that try to hold women back. In each intimate and candid conversation, Megan is joined by guests like Serena Williams, Mariah Carey, Paris Hilton, Issa Rae, and Trevor Noah as they delve into the roots of countless common descriptors of women, like diva, crazy, dumb blonde, and the B word, and redefine and reclaim each identity along the way. The complete season of Archetypes is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Lemonada. Wake up, wake up. You're listening to Mouthpiece with Michael and Pele Bennett. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Every week, Michael and I are going to put out a new episode, talking to each other about what's going on in our lives and talking to friends and guests about things like the NFL and sports. Oh, the NFL. And we're going to have depth. We're not just going to talk about no bullshit sports all the time, but we're going to be talking to guests such as Freeway Ricky Ross, Dr. Eddie Gallard, John Carlos. And we're going to talk about race, culture, religion, and the state of politics in America. And we definitely are going to talk about raising our three daughters in this crazy world. And we're going to talk about S-E-X, that's sex, and whatever the fuck else we want to talk about, because really this is our show. And most episodes will end with a fun game where you guys get to learn some ridiculous things about us and our guests. Not me. And every week we're going to give you some pro tips. Just some advice about how to keep your relationship fresh as the things we figured out along the way of our life. Join us every Friday for some ish, some good ish, some bad ish, and just some learning. And and just enjoy, enjoy the show. I mean, it's, it's greatness. Enjoy the fucking show. Please, the show must go on. Enjoy it. I'd say that we met on the bus and I said that she wanted to marry me when she saw me, but she doesn't recall the story being that way. I was on the bus and she needed a place to sit. And I was just like, you can sit here, Pele. And that's how we met. Negative. That is not true at all. That's what I, I do. I do remember going on the bus and you were on that bus a couple of times. And then I decided to not take the bus anymore. I remember meeting you and I actually didn't like you. Yeah, that's, that's Not okay. your looks. It was more your personality. You were really goofy, loud. You were like the a clown in the hallway. And um, you kept trying to ask me out, talk to me. I ain't trying to, try to ask her out more than one time. But I think summer passed. I didn't like you. Then you came back to school. You were going into 11th. I was going into 10th. And then you kind of blossomed a little bit. And I was yeah, like, hey, out. I was like, who's that guy? And I was like, oh, that's Michael. Sometimes you don't know, like, the person that you're meeting is going to be a part of your life forever. I always ask Pele, did you know that I'll be the father of your kids? And that we would experience so much together. And she's honest all the time. She's like, no, I didn't. I wasn't thinking about that. I mean, I was also 15 when I met you. So I definitely wasn't thinking of. I was thinking about that. I was like, I'm going to get her pregnant. <laughs> I wanted to like laugh you nah, right now. I, I, I wasn't thinking that. But I was saying, but at the same time, we always say that, like, did you really think that you really had that many experiences together as far as being together for so long? And who knew that meeting on that bus would turn into an 18-year journey? That's weird that you can be a child and meet somebody and that person can be a part of your life, but also it kind of expands beyond just the two individuals, but into two families and the trickle-down effect. But on that bus, though, did you just... You had some big-ass shoes on, too. 
What shoes were they? Them big ass Air Force ones you used to wear. Oh yes, I loved Air Force ones, especially the one with the clear. Them shoes are big as hell. You like Wayne head with them shoes. What? That bus ride. That first time I saw Pele on that bus, like you know, you see a person, right? And I'm looking at this person. I didn't understand what this person was made up of. I think for me, the first time I saw Pele, I saw a beautiful woman, a beautiful young girl that I wanted to have sex with. No, I'm joking. The beautiful person that I <laughs> am I lying or am I telling the truth? You guys choose. I saw a beautiful person that I saw and I was like, this is the person I want to see what this is about and talking to her. But I never had the idea of like taking that into something more into the first time I met her and I met her family. And then I learned about who she was as an individual, what she believed in, her morals, her principles, her family structure, what her family believed in. Our culture might be different. Our language might be different. Our religion might have been different. But the essence of her was family. And for me, that was important. Every week, her family gets together and they have a family event. And this is what her thing is. This is the type of person that I would want to be with forever because at the end of the day, I want to be in love with somebody that is about family. And now it's grown into something even bigger because I didn't know that she would become a community leader. She would become a businesswoman. She would become all these different things. And now looking at who she's become, I'm very thankful. I picked good. I feel like I should go play the lottery now. How did this turn to talking about me complimenting I, yourself? <laughs> I just had to give myself a compliment. I pick, I'm saying that I saw, I, I saw those things. No, it's because I'm, I'm watching him say this. And then when he goes, I picked good. Like he had the biggest smile. Like he really was like, all right, time for myself. <laughs> I'm sure okay, when you met me and I brought you to the house, there's so many people at my house all the time. And we have like a small house growing up. But we always had neighbors. We had friends over. So many like relatives would come to our house and we had the smallest house. Like, what did you think when you saw that all the time? I mean, it smelled weird, but I was, <laughs> I was able to get over the smell. The thing that I remember always growing up was Sunday. Sunday was like, so like my mom and family would cook on Sunday, but I would like, I would want to go to, because mine was, I feel like mine was more formal. It was like the same thing. Everybody would come and we would play dominoes, we would play cards and we would have fried chicken and we would have the same thing we have on Thanksgiving. But it was good. It was fun because we had a lot of family over, but Pele's would be like, Really live. So I would try to eat really fast and then I'd be like, oh, mama, I'm going to the house. And I would just walk and kind of run down the street to her house. It was about a mile away. And so I would get into good shape and run all the way down there. And then I would get there and then they would have like live music. They would have, you know, it was just a, like a lot of things going on. Like people playing in soccer, busting pinatas. I'm just like, this is fun right here. So it was kind of cool to get into like something new and see that that was like eye opening to me. That was like the thing that I loved about high school was going to your house on Sundays. Oh, that's really beautiful. Yeah, it was fun. The Sundays were fun, though. I wish, like, that continued as um, we got older. But my family still does it. But that was every weekend. I remember the first time going to your house. You invited me over for dinner. And I was so nervous because I went to your house, and his mom was really good at decorating. And so the house was, like, exquisite. Everything was perfect. I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to touch anything, break anything. privilege. Go ahead. Yes, a lot of privilege. And so I remember they had a fish tank. And I walked over there and I was t complimenting on these little wooden fishes that were on top of it. And I touched, I said, oh, this is so pretty. And then it fell. It fell and the fin broke on the top. And your dad was like, oh, that's okay. We only went on a vacation to Jamaica and got those. <laughs> and I was feeling so bad. I was like, oh my God. I was like, now they already hate me. And then I remember after that, you guys had dinner and we were sitting there and Martels was there. And I remember him saying something like silly, like, um, make sure you don't put your elbows on the table. Don't put your hands there. Keep them under the table. Don't talk. Like he was saying all these different things. But because it was my first time, even if I thought he was joking, I was like, I don't want to mess up, you know, and come off rude and offend anyone. Because that's like in my house, like, you know, you just want to have respect. 
So I remember doing that. And then afterward, um, I remember us saying prayer. And I thought that was beautiful that you guys did that together. And then he was laughing at me. And I was like, what? And he was like, I'm joking. And so like a good like few minutes of like stress and anxiety. And then he was joking. So I met Michael through my cousin that was in high school with us. Michael played football. And so I didn't really know anyone at the time because I was just coming in from homeschool. And when I met him, I thought he was really silly and goofy. And then the longer and the more time we spent together, um, I did get to know him and get to know him better. And I realized how big of a heart he had. And I know we were only like 15 or 16 at that time, but I could already tell. I was like, oh, this guy is really nice, really sweet. And he was not um, maybe open to like emotion. Because I remember like a couple of times we had conversations, the way that you would describe something, it was with emotion. And one time I remember being outside, we were sitting like on the van in the driveway and we had an argument. And I'm not trying to call you out, but I remember you crying. But I was like such a hard ass. I, like growing up, I was respectful, but I was like the sassy one in the family. And so everyone would be like, oh, here goes Pelle again. And so not that I had like this hardness of me, but when I saw this coming from you, it really like lightened my heart because I was like, wow, I was like, he is very in touch to like his feelings on how he feels something. And that is to this day, like whatever you feel like you're very strong with it. And I, what? No, I'm thinking about something. Oh. I'm crying. <laughs> I'm crying. I'm but crying. um <laughs> okay, <Jesus. so. laughs> No, but I did admire that of him because I do feel that all the time that we've spent 18 years now, I do feel that like his masculinity is different. I think it's a rare form because I grew up with a household where if you're fighting with your sibling and we say, Oh, we're gonna tell dad, I would be terrified. Because I really thought my dad would give me a licking or something, even though I never got them. But um, he definitely had that type of masculinity in the house, you know, and instilled like fear almost where you did not want to mess up. But then meeting Michael and being in a relationship with him, still learning, you know, what that even looks like and what it means to have a boyfriend. I remember him opening up to me easily. And I was not that kind of person. Like I would open it with my family, but not with friends or anything like that. It's actually funny, though, because her dad recently gave um, Pele all the love letters that we wrote in high school. And so I was like, did he fucking read these letters? I don't know <laughs> what he was thinking. Maybe he did read them or not. But it was interesting in those letters that we wrote. Like, they were so, like, it was deep in the feelings. They're very deep. Well, that's what it was. I think that you were very deep um, within your feelings, but not only as a young person, as a male. And I wasn't used to seeing that. Yeah. Like, I was used to seeing that within my family, but I didn't know that, like, that existed, especially for men. And so seeing that, I really thought that was something unique that you carried. And I do feel that you carry that unto this day, that when you do express yourself on something that you feel, you know, whether it's something angry, love, happiness, I feel that you don't care of the rules of it. Like there's no limit for you. You're going to say how you feel. You're going to push to what you want. And I feel that you've carried that within our marriage, the children and even other stuff that like you are standing up for it. You know, and like at yeah. work, I feel like it has carried on through your life. But I do feel that that is probably something that definitely piqued my interest that I was like, oh, I like this. I want to learn more about it. And, and as you say, like you you came to my house for dinner, we came to your house for dinner. And I was thinking like it was very interesting because we start to spend more time together. It wasn't like an instant thing where our family just all of a sudden was like, there we go. But it was like we started to go over time into where our families finally started to to meet. I think it was at a football game our families met the first time. Well, my family was going to the to game see, to see your cousin. in high school for my cousin all the time. And then you just so happened to play on the team. Yeah, so I felt like that was that was kind of when we first started having our families getting introduced to each other. I think over time that's just spun into something different because 
I remember the first time your sister Tusi used to pick me up in the car, and I and I always felt like she was like that neighbor on um, uh, Home Improvement. I was always in the back seat, and she would always just put her face at the mirror, and I could only see her eyes in the mirror. I could never see her whole body. All I could see was the top of her big ass forehead and her eyes on the on the thing, and that's all I could ever see. So, and I started like it, it was just funny because I just every time I see Home Improvement, I think about your sister. And the next door neighbor. And it was funny because she became a friend. Like it became a friend over the time and our families started to blend beyond just like an interaction. I feel like a lot of times in families, people, they're married to somebody, but they're not married to a family. Like I hear families, like my friends say that, your friends probably say that, like, oh, that's my wife or her family. Uh, I feel like when you do marry someone, you marry into the family and you need to invest that time to get to know the family because I feel that it helps you to understand more about your spouse. And that's important. That was important to me because at the end of the day, I felt that like when you marry to somebody, you marry to their family and that becomes a bigger thing. Like I don't see your your sister's kids as not my niece and nephew. I see right. them as my niece and nephews because I've been with them for so long. I remember when they were like one and two years old. No, now they're 20 years old. I know. I definitely know you feel that way because um, we both feel that way now. But I remember in the beginning, you used to say like my uncle was your uncle. And you'd be telling someone a story and, you know, you'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, Uncle Fiti, he told me this and that. And I'm like, your uncle, that's my uncle. But at the end of the day, it was beautiful to see that you took in my family that way. But they also took you in as well. I remember when we got married, I think we flew, what, 60 people to Hawaii? Mm-hmm. I was balling. <laughs> and that's the funny part about that is that the, the, the flying people in was the most expensive part of our wedding, actually. That was really expensive. But I just remember that week will always be, like, engraved in my mind because it was like a week where it was like, a whole bunch of black people and a whole bunch of Polynesian people. And every day was like, we cook, we sing, we had, and like, there's a lot of people who died from that group of people. But yeah, now that, that, but at that moment, it was like, we. But also it's so funny because our cultures are so different. That week that we got married, we rented a house. And so we had everyone staying at the house and it was beautiful because we, I think also noticed because we're just about to get married, all of the similarities we had. Yeah. And I think that was just values, like what we valued as individuals but like our family values were so similar and yeah. i think we were able to mesh really well and that was like a good sign to say okay we're and going was, the right direction it was fun though because like a lot of people that i love on that moment that moment will always be in my mind because when i look at that picture of that it's like dang like that days those days was like everybody was blended and we were just having fun i remember going outside and we were playing football mixed together as just family catching balls throwing and then we would cook all these different things and your family would make polynesian dish my family would make it was just fun and like, it's almost i think like blending your family especially like a supportive family it's like once better than having like a bigger village to help raise yourself because you we're still so young but also our kids this sounds almost like a fairy tale honestly like to meet somebody at a young age and to experience everything with them to grow old and then die i mean that's the truth like that's like a story a fairy tale like people meet the person one time and that's the person that they fall in love yeah, with it's like all the lifetime yeah it's and hallmark like, movies i've been watching during but the then, holidays yeah it's like you watch those and it's like but that's not but everybody else's experiences are a lot different because they have to Sometimes they never, ever meet the person that they really fall in love with or f can be, you know. Or are with for a long time. Yeah, may, yeah, maybe something. Maybe at that time when they met that person, they wasn't ready. But I think it's honorable to, to keep fighting for something that you love, though. I think that's incredible as a young couple to keep going and going regardless of the ups and downs, but to continuously fight for that. I think that's impressive. I think a lot of times in this generation. You're, so you're impressed by yourself right now? I'm impressed by us. <laughs> I'm not impressed by me. I, I, I could easily be I'm impressed, impressed by, by me.
I could easily be impressed by myself, but I don't do it. <laughs> what happens in your life to finally be like, you know what, like even us, when we're like, okay, yeah, we're doing the right thing. Because you think about it, we're 15, 16. We first meet each other. No, I was not thinking of marriage, babies, anything. So I'm like, wow, when was that moment where it's like you have that aha moment? You're like, oh, I'm doing the right thing or but this is what I wanted. My whole point is that that's what you're answering my whole thing. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because it's like so a body those... of work. It's a body of work. I feel like the body of work between two people is what is is the most important thing. It's also okay to not know exactly what you want. And no, yeah, it's okay not like to know what you want. you start working at it and that's where you're saying that that pressure, that diamond comes out because the more you work at it and try at it, and you don't run away from it. No, you don't run away from it. You run. It's like people don't want to have those ups and downs of relationship. They want it to just be always high. But there's so many lows in relationship because it's like you meet somebody and you bring in two different types of trauma together. A past of both people. Both people have a past. They both have a different type of family. They both have a different type of religion. Now you're trying to merge all that. That's, a, that's an incredibly difficult thing to do between two people. I think ours was difficult or no? Uh, yeah, like of our families coming in because I think ours we're is completely more different. different. I think ours is more difficult because of the age, because you actually hitting all these milestones in the growth and evolution of an individual's mind and his priorities and their goals and their and their self awareness. No, I definitely felt like we've evolved as a couple, like you evolve individually, but then your relationship has to evolve also, and so those are not only two things that you're working on, and then you bring you know children into it. That's another evolution. You have to work at you have to work at all of these, and I think that's really hard. But the more the story, guests who are listening, do not run away from the trials and tribulations of the relationship. People, those are the things that's going to help you grow. Denzel Washington said, "You should put your shoes underneath your bed. Why? Because it will make you get on your knees, and then you would have to pray and thank God for the beautiful life if, as you look up in in your room." And you start to thank God for everything that happens. But then at the same time, as you're praying for all the happiness and the blessings that have happened to you, you also have to thank God for, for the trials and tribulations of your life because that is what's going to mold you. Those uncomfortable moments help you grow and become something bigger and deeper. And I think that's important for relationships to happen. And I just hope that people realize that that these relationships aren't like microwaves where we pop something in and we get, we get this instant gratification of love. Our relationships are like oxtails. You have to continuously put tough. those things in. No, it's not tough. It's tough if you don't cook Before it right. Before you cook it, it is tough. It's tough meat. Yeah, but you, you have, have to, to let tenderize it boil. It. You don't tenderize Yeah, I'm oxtails. saying well, tenderize it by cooking it. Oh, yes. You boil it, simmer. You have That's... to simmer. You simmer, simmer. You have to simmer that. You have to be black cock rasta. You get in there, you cook that oxtail. No jerk chicken, just oxtail. Oh, say other people eat oxtail. No, not the Jamaican. I don't really like the other oxtails, honestly. They all taste bland. It's like once you have you the like ja Jamaican seasoning. Once, once you have that Jamaican oxtail, it's just like it's hard to eat another oxtail. Okay, that has nothing to do with anything right now. It does. I'm saying that love is <laughs> like an oxtail. So you're saying our love is like an oxtail? It's definitely like an oxtail. It takes time. When we first got into that pot, we was in that pot and we was we was just raw. We was raw. We were just in there like cooking. Then we started to simmer the things, the people, the more seasoning from both of our life. We started to add different things and add and add and add and add and add and add and crock pot. It's crock pot love. Crock pot is crock pack love. It's not that instant stuff. No crock pot. Yeah, crock pot love, not crack pot love. That's a deep simmer love. That will explain our relationship. Yeah, oxtails. No crock pot. Oh yeah, that's a whole other thing right there. 
Stay with us. Michael has to take a shit. We'll be right back. <laughs> more and more after this break. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. After season one aired, I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. And of course, my 90-year-old mom, Judy. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out March 27th from Lemonada Media. Can't get enough of your favorite Lemonada Media podcasts? By subscribing to Lemonada Premium today, you'll gain access to fun and inspiring bonus content from all of our podcasts across the Lemonada Media network. As a subscriber, you can listen to never-before-heard interview excerpts between Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her A-plus guests on Wiser Than Me, laugh along with Elise Myers as she and her guests play a rapid-fire questions game on Funny Cause It's True, and continue to uncover new ways to make life suck less through our exclusive subscriber audio. Check out a free trial of Lemonada Premium today in the Apple Podcast app by clicking on our podcast logo and then the subscribe button. We're back. Now, how long we've been together? And then you add a child. Like you said, we add Peyton. And then we had this child at, at early. Well, it's not back in. That's pretty early. Not really. Is that early? 20? 21? Yes, that's early. Um, I guess it's early. That's early. But then it's like. I mean, yeah. unplanned early, you know? And I don't, we don't, rem- or I don't remember, like, talking to you about, like, oh, we want to have babies. Like, it was, like, far-fetched. Yeah. It was never like, oh, you know, like, we want to settle down. We actually. <laughs> After we had Peyton is when that conversation did come about, though, about really settling down and, like, moving in together and all of those type of things. I think, too, when you have a baby, I remember that when Peyton was born, it seemed so, like, now that she's 13, it just seems kind of weird because she was, like, this little... I don't think babies are pretty either. Hold on. I think it... babies are ugly, just to get that out there. Is that a bad thing to think that babies are ugly? I mean, I mean, I think the babies are ugly. They, they grow into beautiful no, people. I agree. Okay. But to look into something's eyes and see, like, the soul of it. And I think that was what... But not seeing their soul. You see your own soul you see your in soul. a baby. You see... In your baby. I see, yeah. You, and then you see... I don't know. It just changes you. Is it? It's, like, instantly, like... That's instant. That's definitely instant. It's, like, the instant reality of what just happened. It's, like, this is another life. Another life that you have to be responsible for. Another life that you have to love. And you're so young. And what does that really mean? What is this type of love? Because if you, but you know what? Now that you're saying that, it's like love. Also, if you want to love someone, even though like it's a scary thing, you're you're fearful. It comes with so much responsibility, like for your own feelings and yourself, and for the other person. And then bringing in another child into it, that's scary too. And because before, I, while I was pregnant, I was terrified, like terrified to be like obviously a mother but I was scared because I was like how would I perform how would I do good what does this mean you know like there's so many different fears especially when you're young and you have so much life still ahead of you so you have so much unknown ahead of you and then also too it's like you love your family but you don't know what it feels like to love something that's yours like you love your brothers and sisters because that's what you're supposed to do you grow with them and you're like oh this is my brother you know what I'm saying like it's just a natural love that you can be mad at them or whatever but that kid love is like it's way different. It's a special bond because with a sibling, I think family love, you know you have them. But that's where that love of responsibility comes in when you have a child, especially when they're so young. I feel like the love is different that way. It's weird, though. It was definitely weird. 
It definitely, I think also, like having a baby so young makes you reflect, you know, I, but, where you're like, damn, maybe I was bad. That's why I, but I can't even lie. Baby. I think what Peyton is the main reason, like, why I feel like I've made it this far in the NFL, honestly, because I feel like at that point, looking at her is like another, like, I feel like it was another level of like, you cannot fail. You cannot fail. You can let yourself down, but you cannot let this child down. Like, you have to be able to provide for them. No, that's making me think of when I asked Peyton in the car. I was asking Peyton about her school things and what does she want to do these next couple of years because she's going, going to be going to high school soon. And she was talking about, you know, she's very academically driven, Peyton. She's, I don't know where she gets this from. She's so motivated. But in the car, she was her father explaining. No, no. I said, I don't know where she got it from. So as we're driving, she goes, Mom, I'm just so motivated to not fail. And like, I was driving, so I couldn't stop. But it really like hit me. And I was like, wow, as a 13-year-old, young lady to be able to say that about herself and take that responsibility for herself. You know, like she's not having to do that for any of us. It's really just for her. So she's so driven. So when those words came, it like really touched me. I was so like a proud, you know, parent moment. And then I, of course, the conversation continued. And I said, well, what is it, you know, that you don't want to fail, you know, besides school, but like, what is it? And um, she was just talking in detail about, you know, what she wants to accomplish in life. It was so cute. I think over time we have built a great, process of doing, being able to move forward on different things, whether it's moving or getting traded or the career, the steps just happening to us. I just feel like we... Well, I think it was a process to it. I don't think like we, you got in the league, you know, no. then we officially moved in together and it wasn't just like, yay, we're a family, we're doing all these great no. things. I think we had a lot of first time things that happened. And it, I honestly felt like in the beginning, it was like all the time. It was first time of everything. First time having a kid. First time living together. First time paying bills together. First time moving across country. It was first times of so many things. I know, and it's so weird, though, because it's like when you in the NFL, it's like we're both young, and we're like, okay. I'm we, one year younger than Michael, by the way. It's weird, though, because you you both young, and we're experiencing these things, and now we have to figure out how to build our family, like, it goes back to what we said at the beginning. It's like, okay, both of us have this past and how our families are raised. Both have religious families, but two different religions. We both had culture, but your culture is way different. Is My culture is way different here. And and now we have a kid. Now we're trying to do that and blend that together. That shit was a very, it was an interesting journey. I think it's, as much as we have similarity, we have so many differences. Differences, you know, it's so many differences. But I will say, I think that helped us both individually to come together is coming from having, um, I think, our parents. Yeah. Like, having them as an example of... And family, too. And not just our parents, too, because well, I remember... Not only that, but remember, I'm saying is, like, well, you're right. You're because right. I remember, like, I used to love playing Xbox. Like, I used to play Xbox all the time, like, in college. Like, we... I love Halo. I love Call of Duty. Like Call of Duty, Halo, y'all give us a damn sponsorship. I played y'all. Um, play zombies and and I used to play zombies for hours and hours at a time and then my brother-in-law came in and we just had Blake and then he just made me feel like shit he told Pella he's like well Michael's playing video games a lot you just had a new baby and so for me that was like a that was like a call that's like a wake-up awakening it's awakening because it's like you thinking you young I'm like I'm still thinking that I'm like 18 I could play video games all day and that's just not true it's like no I got other responsibilities so this is what happened we were living in Tampa he was playing for the Buccaneers and I had just had Blake, our second child. And I did feel overwhelmed that I had a lot on my plate because that was our second kid. But I will say also that when you used to play all day, every day after work, 
he would play Xbox. And honestly, I can never remember being like, damn, why is he playing all day? It didn't really bother me for some reason. I don't know why, but I'm like reflecting on that back right now. But my brother did come in town. He just moved back from India. He was doing a church, a mission um, out there. And I remember he came back. And so I feel like he had went in like, enlightened himself on his journey um, in life and his new path he wanted to go towards. And when he came in, he really gave a lot to me. And so when he's mentioned that, that Michael would sit with Blake in his lab while he played Xbox for hours, I don't know. I felt like it was both ways because you were with Blake, not saying that you were being engaged. You weren't engaging with her. She was a baby. She was two months, two days old. What the fuck? I I don't have any, (laughs) I don't have any breasts. Okay. Okay. Brother-in-law, I didn't have any breasts. I didn't. Okay. But we needed, but we did need someone on the outside to like say that because that was taking away from like our time engaging together. Long story short is like everything is an experience. So the first time we got the NFL check, I'm not going to say how much it was, but it was 19,000. And I thought I was like Rick Ross. I thought I was Puff Daddy. I was like 19,000. Like this shit, I'm about to go get a Ferrari. But I didn't realize that 19,000. But in my head, I thought 19,000 was a lot. I thought that was a lot of money. I thought that was like, that was like the most money I've ever seen in my life. It was like, oh man, I got 19,000. I went from zero to 19,000. That seems like a lot when you think you about think the spectrum it, you of numbers. You think it lasts long. You think it lasts long, but then we had to do the first month, last month, get some furniture, all these different things. And then it was like, oh. Yeah. And then also having a kid. It's like having a kid and then having another kid. You don't realize how much financial responsibility is either. Yeah. And then now we have three. It starts growing. And then it also makes you mindful of like what you need to sacrifice in your own personal self or in life. Like. I guess that's also what we've learned together is just sacrificing different things, like almost like a piece of yourself sometimes when you're getting to a relationship so young and not knowing you're sacrificing pieces of yourself and then bringing children into that. And that's a whole other window opening. I'm so thankful for our kids now that they have a support group that they can go to. Like they have two sets of grandparents, you know, like I only grew up with one grandma. I didn't have that experience. I didn't even have an experience of a grandpa father yeah so like i don't know that so to see that within the girls having that i think it's so cute and sweet but just i'm thankful for like both sides of our families that our girls can turn to anyone for anything yeah and our family is going to show up but i think it's because we instill that 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 is a priority to have family and it's so hard though when you have a blended family like mine's too because my family is very complicated when it talks to when it talks about my mom and dad getting divorced and you have a stepmom you have a real mom and it's just one of those things where it's another talk that you have to have with your kids when you have a blended family. Because then divorce isn't just the two individuals who are divorcing. It's the family structure. And it's like, so now these two different people are divorcing. My mom and dad got divorced. And now now we have this even a bigger blended family with my mom. And then having my daughters have to, like, figure out what does their relationship mean to them with my mom. And I think that's been like a great experience. I think at first, whenever we did have your mom coming around, your biological mother, I know in the beginning, the girls were very confused. And that was a difficult conversation on how do we delicately um, explain this to them, you know, with just letting them have their own views, decisions, like we weren't trying to choose sides or anything like that. And I think it was, we definitely had the moment where they did not care. (laughs) Yeah, they got to the point where, it, and I felt like in a good way. Yeah, I felt like, and it was the and it's adults who care more. It was the, it was the innocence of them and the innocence of like just their pure love that like the more the merrier. 
they could take on, you know, your biological mother who, you know, they didn't know it that much at that time as she started coming around more. But I think that it was so pure that they were just blossomed their relationship with her with no strings, no, you know, doubts, no, like, they, it was just pure love. And they're just like, yep, that's my other grandma. And that's the thing. I feel like that's when you have a blended family like we do is that you have to be able to accept that other person's trauma that they're dealing with from their family and be able to, I don't know, I wouldn't say give your opinion on it, but find a way to console them, to help them get through their struggles that they grew up with in their family. And I think we've done a great job of that. You've done an outstanding job of that, knowing that what, what we had to go through, what we had to do this, and then helping me. Like, I feel like most people, when somebody in there that they love has been wrong, they will push them to not open up and close those doors and close those wounds off so they will never open up those wounds. But I feel like you've done a great job of pushing me towards those wounds to open those wounds up so they can really heal, not putting a Band-Aid on them, but really healing from the flesh. And I think that is important for a family to be able to do that. Because if you don't have a strong person behind you or next to you helping you or pushing you towards, really behind you, because at this point it's really pushing you towards something that's greater than just yourself. And I think that's where I feel like when you have a wife or a husband or whatever you have that can help you, a partner pushing you towards something in your past that it can help you get forward and help you mend it with a great blended family because you've took the time to understand the other person's story and you've seen it from another perspective and you're helping them get through it. I think that's powerful. Yeah, I think it's just nurturing on what you're seeing. And it's not the fact that like, oh, I could have pushed you because really that's you on your own. I think it's like nurturing the idea that you possibly might want this in your life, you know, the situation, the relationship, and it's just watching it, but also being a support system for you. So if you were to go, you know, and say it failed, like you would still have me to fall back on. Exactly. All right, everybody, it's that time of the week where we kind of, you know, have our little pro tip and Pele does her little thing. Sometimes we respectfully disagree on certain things, but at the same time, we still love each other. Each week, we're going to have a pro tip. It's going to be a part of our segment where we talk about a tip that can help influence you or tell you to stay away. And this week's pro tip is everybody wants to start a podcast, but don't start a fucking podcast. This shit is hard you know the the producers are calling you bothering you about shit that you don't want to hear about but you have to do it's a real business it's not something that's so simple as you think if you turn the microphone on you press and play like you're about to drop a record or something this is this is a business so at the same time there's way more things that come with making a podcast but if you want to start one go ahead but i'm telling you this shit is hard shit really hard shit hard it's like constipation it's just hard I'm sitting I'm sitting on it right now. I'm stool. I'm stuck right now in this chair right now, feeling constipated. Somebody's talking to me in my earphone. Shit is hard, man. It's hard. All right, that's a wrap. <laughs> that's it. That's the end of this shit. That's the end of this episode of Mouthpiece. On next week's episode, we're talking about concussions. That is a term that I never want to hear and always fear. And it's something a lot of guys hide when they get them. And we're gonna talk about the word no athlete wants to hear about retirement. So we get a chance to catch up with former Baltimore Raven Dewan Landry and his great wife, Dom. We'll be airing new episodes of Mouthpiece every fucking Friday. Please subscribe to us or like us on anything that you're listening to. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you're listening to to get away from your family, whoever you don't want to be around with. And make sure you rate us or give us a comment. Even though we don't give a fuck about your comments, give us a comment. 
Mouthpiece is a production of Lemonade Media, which you can find online on all social platforms at Lemonade Media. You can follow me on social media at MosesBread72. I love bread and biblically, I always thought I was Moses. And you can follow me on Instagram at PelePels. Mouthpiece with Michael and Pele Bennett is executive produced by us, the Bennetts. Our Lemonada Media executive producer is Eli Kramer, and our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our assistant producer is Claire Jones, and our audio is edited by Brian Castillo. Thank you to our ad sales and distribution partners at Westwood One and to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back. We'll be back next week. We'll be back. Be back. Be back. Make sure you tune in. Lemonada. Hey, listeners, I'm here today to tell you about Lemonada Media's newest limited podcast series called Declined. This series takes you through the journey of two exceptional women from incarceration to freedom, ultimately leading to the creation of the Returning Artists Guild, an organization that uplifts the artwork of currently and formerly incarcerated artists across the country. Call Declined is out now, wherever you get your podcasts.